Hello, hello, and welcome to the How I Met Myself podcast. I'm Jessica, your host, and as always, I am thrilled to be here with you today. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. It is a conversation with a friend and mentor, Leanne Lopinto. She is a psychologist, relationship coach, and a breathwork facilitator. She is passionate about a new paradigm of relationships, higher level conscious relationships that help individuals grow and evolve. This interview is truly one of my all-time favorites because number one, Leanne is just so down to earth, so compassionate and easy to talk to, but she is also extremely knowledgeable about relationships, inner child work, attachment style, and shadow work. Whether you are in a relationship right now or not, you have to listen to this episode. You will walk away with a whole new perspective on relationships, how to do the deep work with your partner, how to call in a partner if you're not already in a relationship, and how relationships can be a catalyst for personal growth and even spiritual development. This conversation also gets very personal as Leanne opens up about her own journey, including her marriage that ended after almost 20 years of being together, followed by a dark night of the soul that really took her into all of this work. Through her own healing, she became inspired to help other people do this very deep inner work, to navigate relationships and really bring balance and harmony back to their lives. Leanne has a way of making everything really approachable and tangible. I personally have a much better understanding of conscious relationships after talking to her, and I really left with a renewed interest and excitement even to continue to work on my own marriage. I can't wait to hear what you all think about this conversation. I always say this, but I just want to invite you to share your feedback with me. The best way to do that is by DMing me on Instagram at underscore how I met myself. And if you know someone who is navigating a challenging phase of their marriage or relationship right now, or someone who is really wanting to find a partner, send them this episode. I really believe that this conversation is going to have ripple effects. Without further ado, please enjoy Leanne Lopinto. Hello, hello. I'm Jessica, and this is the How I Met Myself podcast, a show where we talk about the journey of self-discovery and finding your purpose in life. After years of feeling stuck, I finally found clarity around my purpose. Now, I'm going after my dream sharing my story here, and bringing you conversations with healers and spiritual teachers to help inspire and guide you to your purpose. Join me and start building the life you're meant to live. Hello, Leanne, and welcome to the How I Met Myself podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. Oh my gosh. I am so thrilled that you're here and we are going to just dive into all of the topics around relationships and everything that you focus on in your work. But I, I always like to just start with an icebreaker and that is just one question, which is, I was wondering if you could share a time in recent weeks where you felt just completely at ease where things were just flowing. You felt joyful. What were you doing? Where were you? Take us to that scene. Jessica, I love this question so much. And so like, this is just like a little intro um, into like who I am as a person. Cause like, I could literally go so deep with this question. I know you're like, let's just do a little icebreaker, but <laughs> it's, it's so funny that this, that you picked this particular question because I recently, um, wrote this article on Substack and I, it, it was kind of about um, it's, I called it the whole game. And it's like this year for me personally has been so up and down, but the second half of this year, I have reached exactly what you're saying, like this level of like contentment 
-hmm. wholeness. Like everything is like perfect. Wow. Like every day, like I've reached and like, I'm not new to this path. Like I've been doing heavy, heavy inner work for the past 10 years. And it's almost felt like it creeped up gradually where one day I was like, whoa, like nothing's wrong really. Oh, you know that, what I and, mean? Like, and I can like see that in your face, like in hear it in your voice. I, I noticed as soon as we got on, on the, the call. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. And so like, I mean, not I'm human. Right. And so like, maybe I'm not there all the time, but it's like this, there's something that it's funny. It's like, it kind of creeped up subtly. Right. But then it was also like a breakthrough because I'm looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, for, for once in my life, like I feel so content. Mm. You know, like I don't need anything. And it's, I think it's really just a testament to, to breath work, to the inner work. Right. And to like, just, so there's like, there is a, like a finish line, not that I'm done, not that I like don't yeah. have more layers, right. There's always more, but it's like, this feeling is new for me because mm. I have not always felt this way. And I think yeah. so many of us are walking around feeling um, discontent. And even if we can't put words to it, it's like, then we're seeking externally to fill yes. whatever it is. And like, that's not a fun place to be. No, no. And it, I say it, yes. that with compassion because I, I was, you know, this is very new for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Thank Honestly, you. what an incredible way to, you know, walk into 2024 and just, all of that work is, is really, it's like clicking in now to, you know, it's the clicking next. in. Yeah, yeah. It's clicking in. And I feel like I'm really happy to talk about all of this stuff today with you, like conscious relationships and just like things that have literally changed my whole life that hopefully people can start to like bring some of these pieces into their life and, and reap the benefits. Mm, so, yeah. Wait to share all this with, with everyone. Okay, great. Well, so I actually do, I want to start there with your personal story and really what led you to this work. You are a therapist. You also are a breathwork facilitator. That is how you and I met is when I was doing my training, you were one of the facilitators for level one my, when I first started out. And you know, I, I love how you weave that modality into your therapy. I think that, you know, we've, we've all been there in a therapy session and it, it feels like there's something missing. And so I think that, yeah. you know, that, that breath work can be that missing piece. And so, mm -hmm. but just before we get into your work, tell us, give us a little bit of background on, you know, your story, what led you to this work? And maybe if there's, I don't know if there is, but if there is a specific event that really triggered you to kind of getting on this more spiritual path, I would love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, the my work is completely born out of um, a really dark night of the soul where my marriage collapsed. And so this was back in 2014. He and I had been together almost 20 years at that point. I met him when I was 18. Um, and it was, it was like the foundation was ripped from under me. Everything I thought was true and that would be there till the end of time, like it just got ripped. Mm. And so it was, it was a rude awakening. <laughs> like awakening is such a word that's used these days. And it's great. Like I think spiritually people are waking up, but for me, it was a rude awakening of like mm. in that relationship, I was clinging so tightly to um, a lot of programming that I learned from being a young girl, like you just have to like, you know, grow up and go to college and then like meet your person and then like get married and it's all going to be happy. Yeah. Right. Like that's how it's life supposed to be. Right. And so mm -hmm. I was really just like still clinging to that belief and, and totally believed he and I were soulmates through and through mm -hmm. looking back now, I believe that we were meant to be together for a reason. Absolutely. But it right. also wasn't meant to last forever. And that piece was big for me. So like, it was a really dark time for about two years where I was just like on the floor, just like I couldn't, it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life and devastating and heartbreaking. And it was, and yet I look back now and I totally believe, totally believe it was my greatest blessing. All my work was born out of that place of having to get really, first of all, tend to yourself in such a low place and be able to treat yourself with such compassion yeah. and grace in that moment and simultaneously have the humility to be like, 
oh my God, I don't really know how to do relationships. Like, and there was so much shame around that. Like mm. we're all supposed to just figure it out. Right. Like we're all just supposed to know. Yeah. And, and I like realized I was like, man, I don't really know, especially romantic relationships in particular. Sure. Then with the help of my therapist and doing all this inner work, I was able to trace all this back to childhood stuff, mm. relationship with my father and do that deeper relational healing that now I help other people with. And so like, this is a very condensed version of it, but it really was like born out of that very, very difficult chapter of my life that then I was able to start to alchemize it, learn lessons I needed to learn, heal stuff inside of myself that I needed to heal. And then I, at that point I was already practicing as a psychologist, but in a more general way, Sure, with everyone on everything. And then after really coming up and out a few years later from that rock bottom, then I started to test the waters to see, um, because I was running women's circles. So I was starting to talk about some of this stuff. And then women started to come to me for specific support with love, sex, and relationships. And then that's kind of when I made the decision to specialize in it. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking back to, when I was 18, you know, and, and the relationship that I had then, and, and I can't even imagine to, you know, if, if I had continued that relationship well into my adulthood and then to decouple, I mean, that's just, it's like, you didn't know life without this person. I I can't. And, and, and like you said, you had all this shame around not knowing how to do relationships, but you've been in the same relationship since you were really a child and we can't expect that, that you would know, you know? Right. right. Isn't it funny how these parts of us like shame, you know, and like, but divorce is like so, so filled with shame. I think we've like kind of maybe made progress a little bit, but like still even now it is. And it was like so awful to have to um, just admit out loud, even before we made the decision to part ways Mm -hmm. to our friends, to our family, that we were having trouble. Like nobody around us is talking about this stuff. No. And, and most couples are experiencing challenges. Of course, every couple goes through challenges. It ebbs and flows and, and maybe sometimes it doesn't, you know, end up leading to a separation, but we all certainly experience that. But I agree. It's so taboo to talk about. And it's like, so you don't hear about anything until all of a sudden you're, Hey, we're getting divorced. Right. And I wish it wasn't that way. I wish like, I think things are changing because this was also 10 years ago now that all that happened. But I really like, even with like couples therapy, like we waited until the final hour to go. Yeah. And like, that's a real, that's really not good, you know? And I know that it's hard to, um, have a more proactive view on that, but like, oh my gosh, considering where we are collectively, if you like pull out and look at the bigger picture of, of love, sex and relationships collectively and how many people are struggling right now, it's like, there's no shame in like wanting to get support right from the get-go with the relationships. Like, I think that is best case scenario for people. Completely agree. I think you're right. There is a little bit of a shift that's happening because I do think, it would have been a bit taboo maybe 10 years ago to start your relationship off, like going to therapy. People would be like, well, if it's, if you're already needing therapy, then clearly this is not going to work out, you know? But I think now people are realizing that this is actually just um, being very responsible. It's, it's Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for your own, you know, yourself or your family for, you know, the relationship and trying to, to make it work and really trying to like understand, I think our own, like, as you spoke about when you were going through all that, you tied it back to a lot of your childhood. And, and so I think that that it's really an opportunity to, to do that. And, and so many people maybe have not done that in individual therapy, um, That's true. That's true. I mean, best case scenario, right? I know nothing that I say today is going to like be perfect or whatever, but I do like to have kind of like an ideal right in mind and like best case scenario for, for people 
I guess you could say whether you're single or partnered is to, well, let's just say like if you're partnered is for each per individual person to be just continuing to do their deep inner work, especially as it relates to relationships mm -hmm. and how they show up, really being able to, you know, it depends for each person, you know, everyone's done, maybe some people have never dug in to that. Right. Other people, maybe they have years under their belt already of exploring that stuff, but for each person to continue to take personal responsibility for their own stuff, especially with regards to how it shows up in the relationship. And then um, again, ideal scenario would be for then also both people to have somebody to lean on for support yeah. as well. So when women started coming to you, you, you mentioned you were leading these women's circles. What were some of the you know, key themes that, that kept coming up that you were hearing from these women. I mean, it's, it, maybe you have experiences too, but like some of the women that show up in your field are like, they're just so similar to you. Right? Mirrors, like, right? They're yeah. mirrors. Yeah. And they, they're so like, I, as I was testing the waters, when I first started to run women's circles with like sharing about my struggles and my stuff that I had worked on and overcome, I was like, shocked because again, I was in this place of feeling like nobody, I must hide all this stuff. Nobody's going to understand me. I'm weird. Right. And then when right. I started to talk about it, every, all the women were like, yes, like I get it. I get it. So these themes of were like, especially for women tend to revolve around low levels of self-love mm -hmm. and self-worth, yeah. not believing that we're worthy of um, being treated a certain way in relationships, having a certain kind of relationship, uh, putting up with from that place, putting up with a lot of not so great treatment sometimes, um, having uh, struggling with boundaries, struggling with having standards. Like I was the like the cool girl back in the mm -hmm. day who like I don't I'm good like I don't really need much right. And so then that played out in my relationships too, but it was rooted in ultimately not believing that I was worthy of, yeah. you know, needing very much. Um, so these are all pretty common themes. Let me think about just, you know, being really empathic, being a giver and mm -hmm. having trouble receiving. That's another mm -hmm. huge one. Yeah. Those are some ones that, that come yeah. to mind. Yeah. yeah. The, that all tracks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how does one go about healing some of these you know, uh, call it programming or patterning. Yeah. It's, it's shadow work. So this is what people are calling shadow work, but you could okay. just call it inner work. I mean, this is stuff that you can do in therapy. It's really about just like getting really clear about like, number one, like, where are you at right now? Taking an assessment of yourself, like what, what you're really good at, what maybe you, you still struggle with an mm -hmm. internal assessment of how you're doing right now. And then also an assessment of, of your current relationships, right? Like what's really working and feeling good in my relationships, what's not. And then you can start to see patterns from that place. And obviously with all this, again, I would highly recommend working with somebody. Yes, it's true. We can do self-work on our own and that's, that's good to do, but it's mo it's most, um, it just goes so much smoother and faster when you're working with someone else who mm -hmm. can hold that space, who can show you blind spots that you can't see because shadow work by definition or really doing like inner work is kind of, you're, you're moving from the conscious level of awareness to the unconscious. So you're really, so, you know, so many people have seen that the, the picture of like the iceberg, right. Where like the conscious level of awareness, is like the tip tippy top, yes. everything else under the surface is like the unconscious. That's what's really running the show. Of so course. like the more that you can just like really lift the veil to be able to look in there, it's that that's where the biggest bang for your buck is always, right. Always, but it's hard and it takes courage. So shadow work, again, shining a light on the unconscious means that you are going to really get curious about things in your life um, that have shaped you and molded you and actually programmed you, yeah, in a way such that they're now determining how you show up, how mm. you behave, how you think, right? How mm. you are in relationships. So in the unconscious, there's um, there's trauma that can impact you and shape you, um, yeah. especially if it's unhealed, right? That's a big source. Um, but then beyond trauma is just like you said a minute ago, all of the stuff, really anything on the external that comes in that shapes us, what we learned from our parents and our family, what we were taught in school, 
religion, society in general, culture, and now social media, like all this stuff from the external that's coming in and influencing you to yeah. be any kind of way, really. And so that's that's really like the the shadow work. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that is how you heal. I know that's yeah. kind of a simplistic way of saying it. No, but it makes sense. I think so it, it starts with an exploration, just getting curious about, you know, where these behaviors maybe have their origins. Right. And then once you've identified those, then how do you how do you actually I guess integrate it? and and make the the behavioral change so that you are showing up in the relationship differently. Yeah, it's huge. I mean that this is definitely like the the nuts and bolts of like working with someone, right? It's like mm-hmm. so this is why um if you just have kind of a conscious level of awareness then if you could start to trace some of this stuff back to childhood, that can help on some level. Like just by having an awareness can actually in and of itself without needing to do more can help you to shift things. Because then if you see, "Oh my gosh, this pattern is traced back to the relationship with my mom." then you can on some level, like, and everyone's different, but you, if you start to then notice yourself doing the pattern again, mm-hmm. you can actually just make a different choice. Now for mm-hmm. other people, they need deeper work because it's not that easy for everybody. Right. And so, yeah. so many of the women and, and clients that I work with, like they, they're like, they, they know their stuff. They want so hard to be able to break the pattern, but it feels like, it's just like, I can't help it. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's when you have to take it to a little bit of a deeper level. So like in therapy, this is again, why I love therapy and breath work together is that because it really works on both levels, the conscious and the unconscious together to help you get underneath the surface. And then also Mm -hmm. breath work helps you energetically to clear things. It helps to you to connect to your higher self and your intuition, like so many benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, But like it, like how I would work with a childhood wound, for example, let's just say mother or father wound. Mm -hmm. um, There's something called reparenting that has been spoken about a lot. So it's like really being able to take ownership now as an adult, like, yes, we acknowledge and we have so much love and compassion for these younger parts of ourselves that didn't get the love and the care and the attention they needed, right? And so in in that space right there, there can be a lot of emotional, you know, stuff that needs to come up. And now a lot of grief once you turn towards that part of you, that younger part. So that's a really big part of healing too, just allowing some of those stuck emotions to come up and out, huge. And then also reparenting is really when you can then kind of work with these different parts of you. And so you allow um, these younger parts to to just really be fully seen, Mm -hmm. right? And express whatever they need to express. Um, It's almost like you can sort of, um, sometimes I do this just laying down if I just take myself through like a guided thing, visualization. Other times during breath work, you can do it. You can even do it with journaling or like just grabbing a notebook and like really just kind of tuning into that inner child part. What does that part need to express? What was really hard? What was, you know, all of this stuff. And then the reparenting part is when you as sort of like your empowered adult self can then tend to that part and really like, um, tell that part what it may have needed to hear back then, right? Like mm-hmm. help that part to update different beliefs that maybe um, formed back then that aren't like working currently, right? right. Like, to help to really like do that rewiring. Um, yes. And then, and then also just, you can do energetic things. Like I have this this memory of um, like my first memory ever of being a baby in the crib and someone like, instead of coming to check on me because I was crying, they shut the door. So like, and that, like, that was like my first, like, Oh my God. And like, so much is traced back to that. But like how I work with that part is all the things I just shared with you, but then also even just energetically as my adult self, kind of like holding myself as a baby Mm -hmm. and like that, that's like more of a, of an energetic feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, almost like replaying the scene, but how it should have gone if you had gotten the the parenting that, you know, you really needed in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So that this is really taking sort of self-ownership and all like, there's so much here too. There's also just like work of like forgiveness, understanding that our parents usually didn't have the things that they, you know, all of that, that's a huge part of it too. And sometimes I see people kind of that they're, they've done that work 
but then they forget about themselves and like turning back to like healing that those parts. Yeah. They feel like that's that that's all, all that's needed, but then they mm-hmm. forget about their inner parts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you follow the internal family systems approach? Yeah. I love it. It seems like that's kind of what you're right. a lot of what you're talking about. Yeah. I right. love it as well. It's great. There's a book, no bad parts for people mm-hmm. who are listening. That's a really good intro to that. And then also I just love like, you know, when people talk about parts or like parts work, that's also starting to come into our collective conversation, which is beautiful. So people are understanding this more. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about how you incorporate breath work. Maybe you could just walk us through a, an example of, you know, an issue that someone is working through in therapy with you and how you would use breath work to really like just seal the deal on that healing. Yeah. I have a really good example to use. So like, I don't, um, not all my clients do breath work. I just have like 60 minute standard sessions where those are talk only, but the 90 minute sessions include breath work. And so we'll talk first and then we'll move into breath work and then we'll come back and integrate at the end. So Mm -hmm. one of, this is an example of like um, working with a client who has anxious attachment. Um, And so we did some like pretty laser focused healing there to take her towards secure attachment. But one of the things we were working on with her is like, it was really hard for her to receive, receive love. She's really Mm -hmm. good at giving, but like there was a block there where like it was, it didn't feel safe for her to receive love for all sorts of different reasons. Right. So in breath work, breath work in and of itself opens your heart. Like, you know, like you've done. right? (laughs) So it's like almost immediately when you start to do the practice that Jessica and I have learned, there's so many different types of breath work, but this one in particular, it's done for about 25, 30 minutes. It's a three-part breath and it gets you into a little bit of an altered state. And so immediately it's like you shift from the head into the heart, into the body. And it's so powerful. And so when she was doing the breath work, I usually give people, you know, about five minutes to kind of get in, right. Get, get past the work phase, like David says, into the opening. And then from that place, we just allowed her to experience what it feels like to receive love, Mm -hmm. just visualize a loved one, just beaming love at her. And on an Mm -hmm. energetic level, sometimes that's hard for people. Yes. It feels like a lot. Right. And so little by little, we were able to do this over the course of, a few sessions. And then like, she was able to just like, let it was so beautiful. Just let it mm, all in. Wow. And like this, this was such a big practice for her. And then it's just wild. She's like now in this beautiful relationship with someone. It's like, it's very mm. reciprocal, like all these things. It's powerful. I love that. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And that is, I think that is such a common block for people mm-hmm. is you know, not being able to really receive love. Right. So that it sounds like a really good idea to incorporate breath work when you're struggling with that type of thing. Yeah. And just for listeners, like you can do this on your own too, whether you Mm -hmm. choose to do breath work, you can do it then, or you can even just do it like laying down at five minutes before bed and just picture somebody that you love, like just trying to beam love at you and just practice. Mm, just receiving mm, I love that so it's a little exercise that anybody can do yeah great that's huge yeah um for for people who aren't in relationships right now how can they go about calling in partners but in a really intentional way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where they're gonna be kind of going into it with this awareness that we've just been talking about huge like that. I mean, I could talk about this for like hours, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'll try to do my best to make it concise. I think like, so the first, there's so many different pieces here. What I would say is like, um, try to find someone that you can work with to really do the deeper cleanup work around relational wounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's first and foremost, like you're kind of like, you're using this time as preparation to really like, you know, clean house, Right. Yeah. And so like, that's like first and foremost, because if you don't do that work, you're just going to attract pe- people that are just, it's just going to keep cycling. Right. Mm-hmm. And the patterns are still going to continue to run. So that's like the first thing. Um, coupled with that, you can also do um, 
just the work to get really, really clear. I know this is recommended so much, but just get really, really clear on what you're looking for in a relationship yeah. and in a partner and really get clear on like, what are your non-negotiables? This is spoken about so much, but it's important work to be able to be clear. Um, and it's not like you have to be super rigid or fixed to this like list of things. When you're out there dating, nobody likes to think that no one likes to feel like they're being like, okay, someone's checking off boxes. Sure. That's not a good but it is really good internally to just like know what those things are that you're yeah, going to hold firm on, right? Getting clear on your values, like how, do, like what, and what do you bring to the table, right? Like all of these things and that you're looking for, are you also like, what, like, are you bringing that too? It doesn't yes. always have to match exactly. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to, for it to match exactly, but it's like, you just have to also make sure that like you're doing your part too. Because yeah. any relationship is, it's two people coming together. It's a co-creation. Right. Um, and so I think that's like, that's, that's huge right there. And then also like the third piece that I'll just add, which is big, and this is hard for people, um, myself included, but also just trusting, trusting in the bigger thing, right? Trusting in divine timing. Yeah. This may or may not resonate with people, especially if they don't have like a spiritual belief or practice in something bigger, but like if you're meant to have an incredible relationship or partner come in, like it will be like, you can just yeah. trust in that as long as like you are signaling like to the bigger thing that like, okay, like I'm ready. I'm taking steps over here to prepare, right? All yes. these things send signals out. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're really sending out a signal to the universe that you're, you're, you're open. You're, you're, you're ready to receive that. If, the right person comes right. along. Yeah. Right. The the other little piece that I'll add here that I see sometimes people falling into the trap of like really like desperately wanting to manifest a partner, like that, like just really watch that energy because sometimes that can pull things in that like not a good, it doesn't play out well because it's coming from us as um it's coming from that place of desperation and needing to right. You're not really in something. your power at that right. point. You're yeah. really looking for, yes, like someone else to fill a void. You yeah. need to be whole first. Is, right. Yeah. And so, and like, so that's, that opens kind of a can of worms for some people. And I get it. Like, I get that feeling. I know, I know what it's like, but like, just, just watch that because then again, you can look and turn towards yourself and be like, huh, like, what is my attachment style? Where am I at with that? Right. A lot of times people with anxious attachment have that kind of thing where they're constantly sure. like oh, yeah. speaking. And so that's big, big work for you to do to move towards secure attachment, huge. Um, and then, yeah, I think, and just like watching that because, and the last little thing I could talk forever, but other people can also feel that like when you're sort yeah. of like, Mm, desperately seeking and it's it's not a lot of people don't find it attractive yeah yeah it's, maybe we can I, I'm sure everyone listening has heard you know about different attachment styles but I do think it would be helpful to maybe just define what we mean when we say secure attachment yeah oh my gosh I think secure attachment right now should be everybody's north star because like, you know, in the book Attached, which I love, if people mm -hmm. are new to it, that's a great one. I always recommend that. But I love how in that book, um, you can learn so much because if you just actually like have this outline of what secure attachment looks like and just have that as your North Star, I always am wanting to move towards this. I know attachment styles have gotten really like popular and yeah. Maybe people are bored of them, but I really do still see that secure attachments, the foundation that everything else rests on. And if you don't really have that, things could collapse, you know, because yeah. it's, it's, it's very needed and necessary. So secure attachment looks like, um, it looks like being, it's almost like the best of both worlds. So people actually, maybe should I get into like what anxious attachment yeah. is quickly? And then that would be great. Okay. So anxious attachment is, um, kind of what we described earlier. It's really not feeling secure and solid and whole within yourself. Mm -hmm. There's some kind of deficit and you need to find that. And usually mm -hmm. it's with other people. So this can look like being, um, very clingy, always needing to be around people, getting very anxious if someone doesn't respond to your texts, mm. um, and your messages and just this feeling of just like, you're really not 
content internally because you're always seeking, right. To like have, right. Yeah. There's like a dependency. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a dependency and then avoid an attachment kind of on the other end of the spectrum is when you, you pull away from relationships. It's almost, sometimes it can look like hyper independence of, I don't need anybody. I'm good. And then if somebody does, let's just say someone who has like very healthy, secure attachment comes into your life. It's, it's almost like, um, well, actually in that case, it it might feel okay, but like, especially with the anxious attached and the avoidant attached people always seeming to be attracted to each other, the anxious Uh, attached person would be, would totally overwhelm the, the avoidant attachment mm -hmm. person because that person would be like, Whoa, it might feel smothering. It it might feel like just, it's that feeling of like, like wanting to move away. So it's like the push pull. uh Yeah. happens. Um, and so, you know, but if you read that book, it can get deeper into like why these things even come about in the first place. But secure attachment is like, you are really open to relationships, right? Like you know that they're a huge part of having a rich and happy life, but you don't overly depend on them for your wholeness and your happiness. And so it's like, neither, if you have two people who are in secure attachment in a relationship, they're not going to be trying to pull from each other, right? right? Or get, it's like we, you can be, and it's such a beautiful place because when you have two people who are really whole and, and it's almost like some people misinterpret it. It's not that you don't like need other people, right? Because you do know that like, we all need relationships. We all need people, right? Yeah. But it's like, you don't, you're not seeking to fill a void or a deficit. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a very different kind of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that helps. I can go deeper if you want. No, that's very helpful. And so you were talking about attachment, secure attachment being the foundation. And then from there that you go, if you that pyramid that we were just talking about briefly before we, we hopped on. Can we, can you talk a little bit about that? What, yeah. what the next level is? And Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I love this. So I'm kind of a nerd. And so the way I conceptualize mm-hmm. relationships, especially because there's like what, what we'll get into in a few minutes is like some of these higher level relationships of like what is becoming available to us, like conscious relationships and spiritual partnership, like these higher levels. Yeah. It's, it's funny because like we're at a point now where like all these things are like available for us to step into, but society at large is like kind of pulling us in the other direction. Social media is eroding basic relationship skills. And so like that, having a strong and solid foundation is being eroded. So the way that my nerdy brain thinks about it, it's like I created this, a three-stage model where if you think about a triangle split into three sections, the bottom of the triangle, I kind of call it level one. This is like foundational relationship skills, basic social skills, healthy relationship skills. I don't want to like make it seem like it's simplistic because actually a lot of people are still working on this stuff. It's very hard. It's difficult. Right. Especially if you didn't have a model for it growing up. Exactly. If you didn't have a model for it growing up. And then also, again, we live in this world where just like so much is being, so much is being eroded right now. Um, And so that like in that level one kind of foundation, um, secure attachment would be there. Um, Or you could just say like understanding your attachment style and moving towards secure attachment always. It's a, it's a myth that people have that like, oh, I'm anxious attached. And like, that's just a fixed thing. It's not a fixed thing. You can always move towards secure. Um, Like in, in that foundation, I would also put like healthy self-love and um, self-worth understanding boundaries um, really good communication, mm-hmm. um, reciprocity, right. Giving mm. and receiving. Um, so those would like fall under the basic, uh, relationship skills level. Again, not basic in, in terms of I'm talking down upon it, but right. then level two, like those, so those have to be pretty strong and solid level two in this model is conscious relationships. Okay. Um, and then level three is divine union, spiritual partnership. So, um, okay. So do you want to move into a little bit of Yeah, let's yeah. I would love to. That sounds great. Yeah, so conscious relationships that are perfect for for all of us right now as like I feel like collectively people are more interested in inner work, personal development, like we're we're really primed for this because um like the the core of conscious relationships is really understanding relationships bring up all of our stuff. 
right? Most people know this and can agree upon this. Mm -hmm. And it's the understanding that that's not always a bad thing. Yes, it's not always easy. Doesn't always feel good. But when you practice conscious relationships, this is the, the, like the, um, the prerequisite is that you understand that it's actually an opportunity. It's material for you to work with, to be like, oh my God, like all this stuff getting triggered okay, I didn't know that thing was still there. Right. It's Maybe almost I need like to a, go back. Yeah, it's, it's like a fun problem to try to solve. Yeah, work it's on it together, problem. yeah. <laughs> so like I, I mean, I say all this with compassion because I know it's not easy. Trust me, I've been yeah. in the trenches with shadow work, like really in a very uncomfortable way to say the least, but like every single little thing that you can turn towards to be like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I see that thing from childhood. Mm-hmm. And then just taking personal responsibility to do the the healing of those relational wounds. Um, so it's really just like that. It starts on that sort of understanding, especially if both people can be aware of this Yeah, huge, huge. But even if the other person doesn't, you can still have awareness of this. And then you can sort of be like, okay, I see where like this sort of stuff inside me is getting triggered. Trigger is a really interesting word because like people, some people are understanding it better, but like a lot of people use it like you're triggering me, like, and they're like blaming the other person. Yeah. Um, And like, I get it, you know, but a trigger by definition is actually um, something that happens on the external that kind of pokes at an unhealed wound inside of you. Yeah. So it's like, it's not necessarily about blaming the other person. It's about being like, whoa, that thing got triggered inside me. Yeah. What, what is this? Right. I was just thinking back to when you were first sharing your story and, and how, you know, there's sort of like this belief that relationships should just like be easier. Just, you know, you have this like picture perfect, idealistic idea of what a marriage or a relationship should look like. And it's just not true. Like we, no one can ever expect that that's going to be the case. And honestly, we're, we're all here to grow and evolve. And if, if our relationships were just picture perfect, we wouldn't really have those opportunities to grow and evolve. So I feel like in, in many ways, like these triggers are actually blessings because it's giving us that opportunity to heal these wounds. A hundred percent. And like, yeah, I think so. I think that collectively we're starting to like grasp some of this, like relationships aren't here because they're like nice to have or like that they're, that they're easy. Like it is true. Sometimes maybe in our inner circle, there are certain relationships that might feel easy. That's great. We all need those kind of people, but then the, the growth is, is sometimes not there in those relationships because the Mm -hmm. growth happens with the friction, with the challenges. Um, and so like, again, in, a, in an ideal world, a relationship could be a mixture of a little of both. Like yes. you can have certain there's some things. ease for sure. Right? There's some, some ease. It's fun, not always joy. like fires. Yes. Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. But to just at least have some realistic expectations that, that we are going to be working through things. And, and it's actually right. yeah. just, that's, that's normal. And not, and not to say that you should stay in a relationship under any circumstance because, Oh, we're, we're just all here to grow and, and, you right. know, fight all these different challenges. But I do think that, you know, if both parties are committed to the work, if they're being respectful, if they've met all of the, the sort of level one things, the, the, the good communication and, and trying to have an awareness and an understanding, if you're coming to the relationship with that as your foundation, then most likely you're both going to, you know, be able to do the work together without it going awry. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, that's a great point. Like we're not talking about, you know, staying in something that's abusive or harmful or anything like that, or even just a relationship where it is, where you've had enough and like, it's too much. Exactly. All of that is totally fine. Like, and um, 
I think like, and what the, this would look like, you know, in a relationship actually would be, you know, having again, that understanding, both people understanding, okay, we're in a relationship, our stuff's going to come up. Right. And when it does come up, when you do start to get triggered, just naming it, this goes mm -hmm. along with just like really open, clear communication with love, just like naming it. Oh my gosh, there's that thing again. And then that provides kind of like safety for the other person because they see, oh my gosh, this person sees, and they're going to take ownership to the best of their ability, they're going to try to go off and like keep working with that. Right. So it doesn't bleed into our relationship. Yeah. So, so that's like a big thing, right? Just open communication, understanding that bumps in the road don't necessarily mean um, something's wrong, right? This is just a natural part of relationships. So this is like all talking about level two conscious relationships and how this might look like in real time with somebody. Um communication's huge. Truth telling is such a big one. Oh my God. And all these, it takes work because, mm. wow, I didn't always tell the truth in relationships. Like that's yeah. something where it's like, can feel very risky for people. Right. But then it's like, you have such a deeper devotion to, to the truth, not just for you, but also just for the relationship, like rather than, you know, just pretending and like, um, yeah, just just being in that that place of falsehood. If mm -hmm. you are for too long for comfort's sake, not a good thing because their mm -hmm. relationship is very, very wobbly at that point. It's it's a balance of personal responsibility in terms of like taking ownership of your stuff and working on it, but then also like in relationship, also working it out with the other person, if that makes sense. Now, sometimes mm -hmm. they see when people are practicing conscious relationships, they're always processing stuff with their partner and it's like so much. Mm -hmm. So those people would need to take a little bit more of like, hey, I'm going to be over here with my therapist or my person doing like a lot of the heavy lifting, right? Some of the stuff, yes, you can talk about and you need to talk about, but yeah. like not, not always having it be um, so heavy all the time. Right. Right. With someone. Yes. Yes. We all need that, that lightness, that playfulness and yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Um, a really good book for people. If people are interested in learning more about conscious relationships, I love conscious loving by Gay Hendricks and his wife, Kathleen Hendricks, my favorite one. Okay. It's a Thank classic you. and it's, and it's, I haven't seen any other book that's as good as describing conscious relationships. Oh, great. I'm going to put all of your book recommendations in the show notes because okay, I think good. people love to, to refer back and, and good, good. Order the, book. Know, yeah. the last thing I just want to add to conscious relationships, because I know we want to talk about more stuff too, um, yes. is one of my friends and colleagues, Michael Bates, because we teach this very similarly, he and his partner call it the reverse honeymoon. Because if you're, if you're really doing this, all your stuff's going to come up at the beginning of a relationship, mm -hmm. then you can kind of do a lot of the stuff to clear it. But then it's beautiful because at a point you can come up and out together a lot of the healing has been done and then you get to just grow and evolve and like reach these like expansive heights together. Wow. So that's like that, that piece right there. And you said it earlier, it's like, we're growing and evolving, but when you get to that stage with someone, it's like, I always like get chills when I say this or, and simultaneously think I'm being dramatic, but like this way of doing relationships does correlate to the evolution of humanity because number one, you're taking responsibility for healing stuff that goes, God knows how far back in your ancestral line. Right. And you're like growing and evolving, right? So it's like, you're down here doing the shadow work, healing, and then you're like ascending and up uplifting humanity. It's a big leap. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that couples will probably go through these cycles a couple of like a number of times in over the course of a relationship, because I was just thinking about, you know, my husband and I were together for gosh, uh, almost 10 years, I think before we had kids. And so <laughs> there was work that was done prior to having kids and then kids is like a whole new initiation. Right. It, it surfaces a lot of issues, you know, from your own childhood. And so it's like, you almost are going through it again. And then I'm sure there are other initiations along the way too, that will come to hundred percent with that's such a good point. Like having children is a huge initiation and will bring up all sorts of stuff that would never have been able to have been brought up before that. Right. 
And so it's like, okay, I guess this is like another layer, you know, of like stuff that we need to look on and just like, yes, it's hard. And it's just so much sometimes. And also simultaneously being able to zoom out and see the bigger perspective of like, okay, you know, I guess I'm here to do some big work in this lifetime. And yeah, you know, this is just one more opportunity for me to do that. And then also with the children, this work is so important because being able to model this type of relationship with to your children is priceless. There's no words for that. Yeah. That's everything. It's huge. Okay. So at the very top of the triangle is divine union. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. Beautiful. So this is like a big one and it kind of, um, we probably won't have time to go into the depths of it, but what I will say is like divine union is, it's a miss it's a frequently used phrase these days, which is good because there's interest in it, but it's also kind of misused and people think it's like, just like a nice romantic relationship. Okay. So it's, it's definitely like, there's a lot more depth there. So like by definition, divine union means union with the divine. So it's actually more about your union with the bigger thing, okay. right? God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so those familiar with esoteric spirituality or um, some of the more mystical traditions like are familiar with this term because it's that's where it originated from but then the thing here is that gets confusing for some people is that you can use relationships as a vehicle to get you there Mm. this gets kind of nuanced and um it's kind of advanced but but yes it also does include working with principles like the divine masculine and the divine feminine both in relationship but then also internally within yourself the way that i work with it with clients is um, for people familiar with Carl Jung, he has yes. the, the path of individuation. And so you're starting from the false self and you're moving to the true self. Mm-hmm. And I love it because he capitalizes the T and the S in true self, because at that point you have completely individuated, you have sloughed off all the layers of the false self. You're in total authenticity. You've done all your shadow work to heal everything. None of that is running the show. Your conscious and unconscious are like completely like aligned, right? Mm. So then in the place of the true self, you're actually aligned with your high, higher self. And so right. that is the, the, the divine the- and the human are, are merged at that point. Mm. And so then you are led in your life by divine will and you're you're tuned into that bigger thing. So the, on the path there, the first step is recognizing the persona or the false self. So like, whoa, like I was wearing all these masks. Yes. Wow. I was trying to shape shift into all this stuff that people wanted me to be. So that's like the recognition that that's not you and who you truly are. That's like step one. That alone for some people can be big work. But then step two is really moving to shadow work. What you and I have been talking about, really taking a deep dive into the unconscious stuff, the wounding, the trauma, programming, conditioning. Then once you've done a good amount of that, he actually takes you to anima animus integration, which is working with internal masculine feminine to come into greater wholeness and balance internally. And then that is the final stage before the true self. And so like right now I have an advanced mentorship where it is called the path to divine union. Mm -hmm. And even if you're just listening and you're like, okay, wow, that sounds way advance from me or whatever you, if you still want more information on this, you're drawn to this path, just go to my website and look at the page. Cause I kind of, um, outline like the work along yeah. the way that's required. Yeah. In addition to on Substack, I have an article called alchemy and divine union. Okay. Similarly, it goes very deep on like, here's kind of the path and I make it practical. Like I bring it down to earth and it's like, okay, here's sort of the things that you're going to do right? to move in this direction. And so what you just described, the Carl Jung path, that is all done individually. Is that right? right. Okay. Right. But you are also talking about using relationships as the vehicle. Right. Yeah. So this is how okay. it ties into stage two conscious relationships, because oh. when you're using the conscious relationships to actually like show you all your blind spots, show you all the stuff happening internally that you can then go and heal that can be, I call it relational shadow work. Cause it's like in the context of relationship, oh my gosh, all this stuff's getting triggered inside of me. This is giving me more material to work with over here for shadow work. So yes, it's, it's, it's kind of like a paradox because it's an individual path, but then also you can use relationships to facilitate that inner work mm-hmm. as well. And then when you get to the anima animus integration part, 
you are using, so this is where polarity comes in as well okay. and working with divine feminine and masculine. You can use polarity in relationships to be like, okay, so here's two people. One person's usually more in their feminine. One person's usually more in their masculine. Usually yeah. that's the case. If you, number one, understand like your core essence, right? A lot of times women, women are waking up to like, they put all this masculine stuff on and like, underneath yeah. really feminine and all this stuff. But then it's understanding that um, at least in my belief system, my spiritual path informed by Carl Jung's work as well, is that we all have a little bit of the other, right? We yes. all have a little bit of, of both and that's okay because this is like how we become whole and balanced. Yes. And so like, if you were a woman and you're, you're, you are claiming that you're a hundred percent, your feminine, like you would just be collapsed on the floor because you don't have any, any structure to yeah. hold you, you yeah. know? So like, that's not really, I, I've never actually seen that. Even if women will claim to be a hundred percent feminine, right? It's just not like, you just can't have that. Like if you yeah. think about the symbol, the yin yang symbol, right. there's a touch of the other, the other. in there, yeah. right? Yeah. So like his Carl Jung's path is about just recognizing that and working with it. So for women, it's about integrating the animus, the inner masculine inside of us. Mm. And so that's like, the, for me, tying back to the question you asked earlier about contentment, doing that work for me is a big part of why I feel content right now mm. because I've done that work. Um, wow. And it doesn't mean that you can't have really incredible hot polarity in relationships. This is where we get into the advanced levels. When you have two people who are whole, they know how to dance. They know how to slip into polarity when, when they want that spark and yeah. they're energetically agile to be able to flow between mm. both. Mm, okay. I hope that makes sense. Is that, is that a little bit? It does. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, for the listeners, you know, when we're talking about divine feminine, divine masculine, we're not talking about gender. We're talking about the energy of mm -hmm. feminine and masculine. Right. And as you, you pointed out, we all have both yeah. and it's just a, a ratio that, that varies from person to person. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. It's, and some people are more balanced. Some people are more on one end of the spectrum and it's all good. It's just about being on like, where am I? Where am I on yeah. that spectrum? And also if people do read the article on alchemy, divine union, it differentiates too between the shadow feminine and the divine feminine, shadow masculine, divine masculine. There's a huge okay. difference. It's good to be clear about like what's shadow stuff and, and what's like higher Evolved. level design, right. right? Yeah. Like the highest sort of expression of what that could look like. Exactly. Wow. That's so interesting. I'm just curious since you did mention like that part of the reason you're feeling that contentment is because you have found like the balance there. Can you share a little more just to make that like more tangible for us? Yeah. So I think for me personally, I went through like with, when my divorce happened and everything collapsed, I had this internal knowingness that like, you need to heal your relationship with your femininity. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know where it would take me, but then I like did that whole thing where I like really went into my feminine. I really like just reclaimed that, studied with teachers of feminine spirituality, learned about the menstrual cycle and how that's related to nature, all the stuff, right? I was there for like three years deeply in my feminine. Okay. What, is, what does that mean exactly? I, 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 the part about the menstrual cycle, that all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I just am wondering if, if you can expand a little bit on what it means. Yeah. Because what I was abandoning in my marriage for so long were, were my natural innate qualities, like, um, being so empathic and loving and, and being in touch with my emotions, very like heart centered. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in the relationship, this is why big reason why we ended things is because emotions were not valid. Um, intuition was not valid. These were all like huge qualities of me. And it's so deep and so much to get into, but like, then it was like reclaiming the fact that like emotions are beautiful. I I'm see. a very sensitive person. Um, my intuition is really spot on and I don't want anyone else to tell me that if I don't have yeah. a bulleted list of logical explanations for it, you know, so it's like reclaiming all of this stuff, like these deep parts wisdom. of you that, that are so beautiful and 
allow you to actually be in your full power, we're, we're suppressed. Absolutely. And then like the, the physical body healing on like my relationship with like my female parts was huge too. I had some childhood trauma around, around some of that. So uh, getting really just like loving my body, healing my sexuality, all of that stuff was deep, deep work for about three wow. years. Wow. So like I was in that for about three years and then I sort of kind of started to come up and out and be like, wow, okay. I'm also have some of these other qualities, right? Like I also have, I'm like a really good planner and like all this other that were true, right? It wasn't like I was putting on all this masculine stuff. It was like, huh, like these are things that like are real and true about me. So then I started to come up and out and like integrate those back in. Mm. Um, and then, so I, you feel like you were like over indexing a little bit on yes, the Yes, totally, okay. totally overcorrecting. And <laughs> I needed to do that. Like it's all perfect. Yes. But like, but then coming a little bit more back to center after mm. that. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know it's very personal, but I just, yeah, that's okay. I think it really helps people and, and myself included just understand really what you mean when you talk about that that harmony and balance between those, those energies. I love to talk about that in particular, because I do see a lot of shaming now with all of this stuff coming up around women just need to be in their feminine and and like, it's true on some level for us to reclaim that. But then it also, sometimes people end up playing um, roles, maybe they're abandoning parts of themselves. Yeah. There's been some extreme swings collectively between like these these two. And so it's like kind of go going back to the over-indexing. It's like collectively we've over-indexed on, on one of these. And then now there's almost like a swinging back, but it's like really finding that, that balance. It's all about balance. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're collectively in quite an interesting time right now, but you know, I, on my higher days, I'm like, it's all just working perfectly. It's all good. Yeah. 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 You know, one thing that I was thinking about too, is we were talking about this was like on a more spiritual level, like the partners that we do attract in, there's like a reason for that karmically too, that, you know, we're, we're attracting these specific partners to help illuminate and highlight these parts of us that are wounded, that it's been divinely orchestrated to bring these partners that will trigger these exact parts you know, so that we are forced really to do that, that work and that healing. And mm-hmm. it's really a beautiful thing. Um, but I think hugely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. 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 I love how you just said that. That's, that is absolutely what I believe too. And like, so even just like moving a little bit more towards this mindset of like, okay, like I see the bigger thing. I always feel like it's like a zooming out and kind of, mm-hmm. kind of like looking at things from a higher perspective, yes. but then also simultaneously knowing that like, it's hard. It can be hard out there yes. if you're dating, like it can be like, I get it, you know? And so like having, holding yourself with a lot of love, also being able to see the bigger thing too. Sometimes those two things don't go together. You know, if you're in the trenches with something and like, it's just, oh, there's a lot. It can be hard to see the bigger thing there. I believe that really beyond just romantic partners, although that's a big, big, good example. It's like literally everything in your life right now is there because of something, right? Like, and it's usually a reflection of, of how much inner work you've done. And it's all good. Like we're all at different stages. Like none of this, hopefully people will be like, oh man, that means I'm, you know, somewhere not so great or whatever. Like we're all at different stages. And like, for me again, like my rock bottom was my greatest blessing. And so sometimes these harder portions of our lives, there is some serious gold in there, you know, if yes. you're able to to see that. And I know it's hard, but like, yeah, when you're in it, it's like almost impossible to have that perspective. Right. You know, but once it's in the rear view mirror and you've, you know, you've done that work, you've grown from it. That's when I think most people do feel that those rock bottom moments were ultimately the greatest gifts in their lives. Absolutely. So try to like, you know, surround yourself with people, friends who who see this and can hold that for you if you're in the mess, whether it's friends, family, your partner, a therapist, a support person. It's important because sometimes in those rock bottom moments, like we can just lose all sense of what is going on for sure. and it can be devastating for you yeah. not to be able to have any sort of thing to stand on. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, it's so important to have that support system. And I think when you are going through something hard, it can be, sometimes you can get into that like victim mindset of, well, like, why am I getting all this hard stuff in my life? But like, my friends are just thriving or, you know, but it's like, everyone goes through stuff at different times in their lives. And for some of us, it's heavy weighted toward like the earlier parts of our lives. And for others, it doesn't come until later. And so it can be hard, like to just find, you know, especially like among your peer group to find people that can really relate to what you've been through or what you're going through if they haven't experienced like a big hardship, but whoever you can find, you know, and, and, and I think that's part of the reason why, like I'm, wanted to even do this podcast is to give people kind of a companion when they are going through something hard. Because I know that for me, like when I was going through hard stuff, and I think especially a lot of us went through really hard times during the pandemic and we were so isolated and didn't really have that network. So it's, yeah, that's part of, part of the Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. And like, find yourself, if you're a woman listening, find yourself a woman's circle, men's circles, there's all sorts of stuff. Co-ed circles. We need all of it. Um, Make sure that you just feel held in some way. And, you know, and just going back for a minute, um, I know we're going to wrap up soon, but going back to like attracting, you know, partners who are there to help you. It's like, if you find yourself spinning into a pattern and it's just repeating and repeating and repeating, just push the pause button and reach out to someone that can help you see the, see the, see what's going on so that you don't, because if you don't do that, literally you can just go with the rest of your life repeating that same cycle and you need to have someone that can help you break it. Absolutely. That's such a, um, an important point. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I want to give you a chance to share your offerings. You've mentioned a couple of things already, and I'll definitely put those in the show notes as well, but maybe just share how can people find you and work with you? Oh, thank you so much. This was so fun. Yeah. You and I could talk forever. So it was really fun. Um, Highly encourage anyone that is interested in connecting with me, just reach out. I love getting emails, people connecting, asking questions. Um, And so I'm on Instagram, like you'll post the link to that. Obviously my website, love-evolve.us, all this stuff, like people can just click on the links in the show notes. But, you know, if you're interested in just, um, yeah, no pressure to like work with me one-on-one, although that's kind of like the focus of the work I do is one-on-one with people. Everyone can book a free 30 minute call and just like run things by me, get a little support. I usually go pretty deep with these 30 minute calls. Like I know connection calls are usually like not that deep, um, but it's just a way to to talk to me face-to-face about some things. And then, yeah, of course I can provide you with information on how to work together. So one-on-one work is typically where I spend most of my time. I also run women's circles every month that has a breathwork component. Um, Following me on Instagram is probably the best way to find out about those. I actually don't post them on my website just because I'm bad about doing that. (laughs) My email list, I also send reminders to people about that as well. Um, If you sign up for the email list, you can get this free guide called how to choose partners wisely. It's like a 14 guide, like kind of big thing that I, that I give. That's like kind of no joke. Um, (laughs) I love it. What else? What else? What else? Let's just, and do you work with people both virtually and in person in LA? I do. Yeah. Although most, even if clients are here in LA, a lot of them like to just jump on zoom to avoid the traffic, but I do have a place here local. Like I'm sitting in this room right now um, that I see clients. And just the last thing I'll say is like for people who do feel ready for some of the advanced stuff, I have an advanced mentorship. It's called the path to divine union. That's on my website too, if you want more information. Um, But yeah, I think that's about it. But I really, I literally, as you can tell, could talk about this all day long. So I highly encourage people to just connect and reach out to me. Yes. Well, I am so grateful that you joined me today. I learned so much and I'm sure the listeners did as well. So thank you again. You're so welcome. Okay. Thanks again.